Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. And hey, we're both in the same time zone today. And you can also find us on Facebook if you go to the HyperClean Specialist Group. It's a fun place to interact, having a good time there. Nick, same time zone, Houston. Uh, how's how's the weather in Houston compared to Vegas? It's been perfect. We we no humidity. We've uh, had great temperature. It's been a perfect week. I mean, yeah, right. I, I don't know what's going on in Tulsa, but in Houston, it's I don't want to jinx it, man. It's as good as it gets. There's the only reason to live in the Southwest is these times right now. <laughs> like they yeah. are, they're just perfect. Yeah, man. You know how else to say it. Yeah, it's it's wild. I, I got reintroduced to mosquitoes. Um, you know, that's uh that's a new thing for me for quite some time. I haven't had to deal with that, but you know, it's all good, man. It's been a great trip and got to visit a lot of shops. Hey Marty, I mean, while you're in the warehouse, I'm just you know, cold calling, you know, just ah, knocking on doors. Love it, love it. Well, speaking of cold, it's not a cold beer this morning because different time zones. We're recording this a little early at HQ, a little early to have a cold beer on a Monday morning. So I'm going to dive into just some nice cold bubbly water. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And and look, uh, we had to record a little earlier. I got a uh, going to the Astros game, you know, for buy or sell today. I'm going to buy. I'm headed uh, a couple of my clients play for the Phillies and family friends. Uh, so we're going to go and, uh, say hi to them. The Phillies play the Astros. So that's why I'm here an extra couple of days. I mean, normally I would have left, uh, probably yesterday, but going to go check out the Phillies and Astros game and say hi to a couple people and, and have a good time. You might have a few high nooners there. Cause I mean, high oh, nooners have made it hey, across the world now. They're not just hey, in I've Vegas. Been, I know I've been, uh, if anybody listens to the podcast, nooner should have cut me a check because I feel like. <laughs> Soon as I clued our 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 crowd in, hundred percent nooners have taken off. So yeah, I'll have a couple. I've been having a couple here in the backyard. I mean, yeah, nooners. That's just a lifestyle, Marty. It's just a lifestyle. Listen, I couldn't believe high noon. They had a massive tent at the Tulsa State Fair. I mean, yeah, I was like, 100%. what the hell's going on here, dude? It's uh, it's just the best one right? Like it's just the cleanest, best one at this point. And I'm sure somebody will overtake it, but right now it's nooners all day. (laughs) (laughs) But not right now on the Pints of Polishing Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the funny part about the fair for me was was seeing that, uh, but the best I think was, listen, I grabbed immediately first thing, corn dog, and they go, you want the regular corn dog or the jumbo? absolutely ma'am absolutely i want that jumbo dog (laughs) like absolutely and you know how there's that i don't know the last time you've been to a fair but (laughs) if you remember when you were 13 that ride that we call like the avalanche that they're on like these cars and it kind of goes up and down but it just does this big circle and they're always having a party right like always the best music it's like you're in a club but they're just in this car just going round and around sure right as i'm walking past that nine down on this big giant jumbo <laughs> corn dog guess what song plays turn down for what and it's just like oh hell yeah like, i mean this corn dog like fucking like hey. jamming, turn down for, oh, did, did you moment. did you uh funnel cake it up 
Oh, absolutely. You know what yeah. goes on funnel cakes now? But I stayed virgin, man. I stayed raw. Like, Just powder sugar. Powder sugar. That's the only way to go. I mean, there's so many things you can get now at the fair. It's it's crazy. It's almost too much. Like it, it just I I eventually just have to start walking away. <laughs> like yeah, like everything's I, I'm not fried. To have a deep it's fried delicious. Oreo, deep fried yeah. this, deep fried that, deep fried Twinkie. It's like, dude, I could just stay there. I'd have diabetes by the time I got done at the fair. And, so, and my yeah, re no, my reintroduction to the fair, what like four or five years ago when I started taking the girls, like you know, I didn't go for what probably 10 15 years and i go back and i see all this like yeah i'm eating everything but now it's the basics <laughs> like the pure basics so but I, it's yeah, not for no, me it's, not that's right i'm i'm not buying the fair even though it was a great time i i'm buying sunday right i'm buying sunday and i'm buying some things that i watched and learned on sunday one is from a guy named mark rober those of you who have been into youtube and those of you who have gotten into the youtube You'll know who he is if you got any kind of kids too, right? This stuff, like, is crazy. So apparently he worked for NASA and apparently he's done a super smart guy. You would like him, Nick. You would actually love him because he's an engineer by background. And he engineers all these crazy things. And I watched for probably two hours videos of him where he made these obstacle courses for squirrels in his backyard. <laughs> Like two hours of my Sunday spent watching squirrels go around an obstacle course in this dude's backyard. And not only did he do so well making the obstacle course, he did such a great job of entertaining me that I went, I'm buying this dude. What the hell? Like, I, I never knew this is what YouTube. I just don't watch YouTube, right? I just don't. I never, and as we're trying, like, I got to start absorbing the culture around YouTube. And I'm blown away by this dude that worked at NASA. And now, fuck nasa i'm gonna make squirrel content <laughs> like it's crazy you know, what, you know what's funny is uh i've noticed it here in houston i'm not a tv guy anymore uh i actually am a little different than you where you know youtube has really been my primary entertainment for a lot longer than i thought so between my phone and between youtube on my actual television you know other than sporting events i want to catch i realize i don't watch anything and the other thing is I don't watch anything live. You know, even when I want to watch a sporting event, I'll let it go on for an hour so I can get through the commercials unless it's a pay-per-view fight or something like that. It's, it's a really interesting thing that once you become absorbed in YouTube and you get that on-demand feeling, you, your brain just gets rewired and you can't really watch other things. So the, I don't know if, if, you, if you've been watching Pickleball. Oh, dude. Don't get me started on pickleball. That's a big, like, uh, it's, it was been huge in Vegas for a long time. And I don't really, I've played it a few times. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a good workout. It's, it's fun to bust balls when you're doing it, you know, whatever, but it's getting crazy, I'm not watching right? it on TV. You got professional athletes now buying teams, Kevin oh, yeah. Love, LeBron, like oh, it's yeah. insane. Draymond oh, yeah. Green, like. What but it's the, the same thing. You remember when like Mark Cuban bought an esports team? I was told that that was going to be the next thing, and that struggled to get off the ground. You know, it. Hey, maybe it works. But you and I have watched this for enough years now to know when the rubber meets the road. And I don't know, if people are, remember this. The Long Drive Championship used to be on TV, and they would hit the golf ball really far, and it was getting all this run. Well, now it's back on YouTube, controlled by the association. 
So it's actually everything ends up taking a step back. I don't see pickleball is not fun to watch on TV, so I don't think it's going to work. Um, but that's interesting to watch investments and, you know, look, every, a lot of people listening to this are business owners or are interested in business, even if you're a DIY guy. And so it's interesting to talk about these types of investments because somebody sees something, but I've seen enough in my life. Once it doesn't look good on TV, it's going to be hard to get much traction. Uh, so rubber meets the road. No doubt. Uh, we want to take a moment that there's plenty of uh, car tires that didn't meet the road uh, through parts of Florida and have, have struggled yeah. and, you know, are definitely our condolences and our, you know, speedy recoveries. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you say? It's a dangerous situation. Looks like it got dangerous up the Carolinas and certain parts too. And, you know, during these times, man, what do you say? I mean, I, this, I always find that you really don't have much to say other than, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope everybody's all right and, you know, gets on their feet as fast as possible. There's not, there's no words that are going to help the people that are, that are affected. I don't think. Phase two, after people do that, <laughs> we usually start to talk about things we see, right? Yeah. First, you know, I was talking with my brother-in-law on Sunday. We went for the first time at, for me, first time in almost two years, I got back out on a mountain bike. Oh, there you I, go. Yeah, man. I like my back held out for a little bit. It did. Okay. Like he kept like, are you okay? Like I was making some crazy noises back there. There you go. <laughs> Two men riding their bikes to the woods, making a lot of noises, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but I made it through and you know, he's in, he's in home restoration. He's in home rebuilding. He's in new construction, but that's his world. So he starts talking about things that he sees. Right. Because he's going to start viewing and the algorithms and the things that he sees are going to be different than the things we see. I didn't see the I didn't see the sharks inside people's homes. I didn't see the amount of wildlife. I didn't see what I see. I get to see because the algorithm, I get to see the cars going through the water. I get I get yep. to see the amount of damage that people are starting to show. And I I see car content. So he saw much different content revolving around insane amount of animals now in homes and it's wild yep. to go look at that stuff. Kelly, what do we do in our industry now? We've got this whole area that we talked about. We've talked about in the past where you have these disasters that happen and how it begins to impact a local area car market that then also goes into the rest of the market. So first of all, let's start local. We got a lot of cars that are going to be needing some type of restoration. Yeah, be, be, you'll have a lot of insurance companies that will try the mold remediation services. So the guys that are down there that, that have some of that, you know, that take carpets out, take cars apart, try to salvage electronics, that kind of thing. You'll also have, uh, you know, an excess of cars going through the auction market down there being towed out once everything's dry you'll have a lot of really strange things happen if people have never been through that all right so let's look at it from two two handfuls in a sense right let's look at it from a guy that's, that's got a business somewhere in in florida and then let's look at somebody that is now going to be in the car market they need to buy a car right like yeah. somebody that, that that has had some car damage right First of all, if, if I'm the person that has a business down there and I'm a mobile detailer or shop detailer, how can I take a look at this and have sympathy for the area and, and understand that it's going to take a lot of rebuilding, but also make sure that I'm in the middle of helping rebuild because I want to be active in the community 
right? Yeah. And I want to I want to take take this opportunity to to use my services. My services yeah. are here for a reason. Um, you know, one thing is to start talking to insurance agents, find out what's going on down there, find out what situations, you know, everyone knows an insurance agent, you know, whether it be State Farm or Farmers or whoever. Uh, you know, even an independent agency would be good to talk to. I think right now for the foreseeable future, it's going to be pretty mild as the things that go on, right? It's going to be general cleanup, the FEMA cleanup. You're going to have people getting food and water. You're going to, you're going to have that for a while, but what ends up happening after these, these disasters is, is then home building, the cars, everything is kind of third, fourth, fifth in line, right? And so now the question becomes, what do you do? And that's going to be something that's very dependent on the area. There's going to be a lot of areas like you saw after Hurricane Katrina, where they just got the cars out of there. There was really no detailing, no mold remediation. They just wanted to get the cars out of there. Uh, that may be what happens here. Uh, but you'll have some people on the outskirts that had minor damage. That's where I would probably, for, for most guys, uh, really, really try to hone in. Those large disaster areas, you're going to have massive companies kind of dictate what happens in the really hard hit areas. But you have a lot of inland areas that took on damage. You'll see a lot of PDR guys will head down there. You'll see a lot of storm chasing that takes place, roofing guys especially, uh, you know, just to name one that, that chases storms. Uh, I don't think I would do a whole lot unless I had mold remediation certification through an insurance company. But I would be in the outline areas where people maybe have had a light damage to their car and I could provide some service. But largely, my guess is you'll see the auction companies come in. They'll get the cars out of there. There's big companies. A company used to be called AutoSource who really dabbled in that. We'll see. Um, they've magically changed their name because that flood damage uh, car business isn't exactly on the up and up. So... Basically, I think what you said, if I could boil it down, it's I should have relationships with other people. Oh, yeah. This is what we joked about, right? Last time, right? This is kind of like what we tell tell people all the time. If detailers would have had these relationships already put into place, then they would have known to have already gotten some of these certifications and they would have already put it in place, which we know of some that do. And there's plenty of detailers in other areas and there's probably some there, right? It's oh, yeah. just really, this is a discussion so that anybody can have an idea and go, all right, well, if there's a disaster that maybe happened in my area, how do I get to take part in it? Well, if you hadn't built up the relationships in the past, you don't get to take part in it now. Yeah, I, I think that's that's kind of, uh, you know, the, the real big thing here is, is this is the reason to cold call and to, you know, say hi to everybody, let everybody know you're in the area, drop cards off, drop brochures off. This is where that that relationship building from the old school would have been very useful. But like I said, we're going to see some crazy things happen here uh, because we always do. And now you're talking about Billionaire Row got hit in Naples. So you have a lot of really rare cars that took big hits. It's going to be interesting to see. I got pictures of a couple really low mileage Ferraris that I think people are going to want to restore. Is it restorable? I mean, we already know that the electronics in a lot of these these types of cars isn't great. Uh, I'm sure they're now fried. Where does a flood damage exotic car? I know a big uh, Koenigsegg got hit uh, that I think has only been finished for six to eight months. Uh, 
we're in a situation where the the reason this is going to be costly is the area that it hit. It's a very wealthy, well-to-do area, as well as just, again, normal middle class and, and people like that as well. But for the car market, it's going to be really wild to see what happens with some of these exotic cars. Yeah, exotics. I hadn't even thought about that. You're right. You mentioned that that group that comes in and just basically they don't keep the cars down there to work on them and refix them, huh? They they come in and just truck them all the way out and just remove a massive amount of cars out of it. So if I'm somebody that, you know, whether I'm in Florida or in the surrounding, you know, region, what do I need to start thinking about on vehicles, whether or not I'm in the market to buy one now or now well, that I, you know. The, the, whole, the whole United States is going to be affected. So the reason that they do this, and this is my two cents, Okay, this isn't me saying that I know every fact of every board meeting, but the longer they sit down there, the more likely they are going to be reported as flood damage vehicles by the insurance companies, right? Like, so one of the goals is, is to go in and let's just call it, uh, I'm a, I'm a car buyer. Uh, I have a lot of money. I go to state farm and say, you have 200 cars sitting here that are insured by you. Here's a check for a hundred thousand dollars. We're going to take these 200 cars off your hands. Well, they already know their total losses. They got the VIN numbers. They're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That sounds like a great deal. They take those, those, those couple hundred cars or hundred cars or however many they are, they get them out of there. They get them into the auction market immediately. And this is kind of what we've seen from flood problems is, you know, you see a lot of this around the Mississippi river when they get, when it gets flooded, You'll, you'll see a lot of this behavior and the behavior is a business strategy. The quicker that I get them into my hands and then I get them into the auction market, the less likely it is that all this is going to be reported. Now, somebody can report this down the line, right? When State Farm catches up or Farmers catches up, but you've already purchased the car. And so now pre-purchase inspections or what you call PPIs, if I were in the market to buy a car, I'd be looking for flood damage. I'd be pulling carpets up. I'd be testing all of these floor-based electronics and, and things so like that. So what do we yeah, that what do we look for? We're going to we're going to pull carpets up and and then what well, are we looking you know, for? I mean, you, you and I both know it's pretty easy. You take the side piece off of the door, you lift the carpet up, you'll see if there's flood damage. I mean, it's pretty evident. The next thing is you want to take smells extremely seriously now. You know that moldy carpet smell. If, if you smell that, you got to walk. And, and I know that that's common sense to a lot of us, but it isn't actually. I mean, people will get in cars and go, this doesn't smell right. I'll just have it detailed. It's like, no, if it doesn't smell right and you smell mold now, you might want to take a pass because you don't know how many thousands of cars. Again, you got, you know, parts or of Carolina overly scented. Maybe somebody's tried to cover it up and it's overly scented. Oh, 100%. There'd be another one. But you're, you're going to have to... Uh, you know, look at the bottom of engines, motor mounts, see if you see rust. Uh, you're going to have to do some of these things. And again, you should probably do this all the time anyway. But as soon as a disaster happens, when you're in a used car market, you got to kind of keep your head on a swivel and go, hey, I don't really know where this came from. And the biggest culprit of this, when mentality's really changed, is really after Katrina. You know, we saw so many hundreds of thousands of cars just I mean, they, they, they were sold. And this is why I always tell people about the Carfax report. Carfax is a great starting point. Uh, I've, I've said this a lot on this podcast. I'll say it again. 
it's a starting point, but that pre-purchase inspection uh, on anything that you do in the used car market is just a great hundred, 200, 300, 500, a thousand dollars spent because we're talking about some of these purchases are a hundred grand or more now. I mean, you'll see a lot of, you know, you know, people down there, you're going to see a lot of Range Rovers flood the market and everybody's going to be like, Oh, this is a great deal on a Range Rover. Well, there might be a reason that it's a great deal and it's got 8,000 miles and you're paying, you know, $42,000 because they want it off their books because they only paid 20 for it to get it off state farms books. And so there's this game that's played and it's always odd to talk about this as people are probably suffering down there, but we're in the car business and this is something that affects it in a big way. Yeah, it does. Especially like I said, if we're, we're looking to buy a car, like that's, that is interesting. Not everybody thinks about the smell and what could happen. So, you know, you, you had a pretty fun little drive though. Huh? You had a fun yeah, a drive this week. I've been, I've been, uh, an LC 500, uh, you know, convertible, uh, Lexus, which is, Look, it's a naturally aspirated V8. They're not making a lot more of these, you know, so it has all the modern amenities. It's super fast. I mean, again, we can kind of talk about what super fast means down here in Houston. Yeah. But, uh, well, let's talk about a natural aspirated V8. Yeah. I mean, it, the sound is nuts, right? Like when you, when you, when you don't have that artificial like turbo feel where you're waiting for something to kick in and it's just, a natural experience. And for those that, that haven't, you know, maybe driven that and you've always driven sort of more of an artificial feel, that's fine, but you know, they're not, they're not building these anymore. Right. And to have one so new, brand new off the lot, basically. And, and you're, you're in a position where you just wonder if manufacturers are going to hit the brakes, you know, so to speak and say, you know, we do need to build these there is a value to building these types of cars or do they go away altogether? And the vote right now from companies like Dodge and those types of companies is they're going to get rid of them. Yeah. And so, and what's the reason? And just not, it can't be just the electronic side of the, the batteries and we want to go that way. Right. Or, or is playing it or, the EPA long game? You know, they see regulation coming and, and they assume that to meet all the standards, they're going to have to have zero emissions and, you know, New York just hopped on again, you know, the California train and say by 2035, they're not going to allow any new uh, engine based cars to be sold in New York. I don't know how much I believe that because they always do this. I mean, California has been saying this kind of stuff for 50 years and they always walk it back. And that's what happens. They get a headline for a politician. Now they get to 2035 and they go, uh, yeah, we we're going to extend this another 20 years. Um, and so that's why you see Toyota is not making a big bet on this. Um, Toyota is one of the last holdouts where they're not going all electric. They're not going that route. And they were the first ones to really dominate the hybrid electric market with the Prius. Uh, we stated this on a Friday episode. And I, I think when you drive these cars, the question is, and this is why the values of BMWs and naturally aspirated cars have gone, you know, Porsches especially went through the roof. I mean, you know, you're talking about cars that were 50, 60, 70,000. Now they're 400,000 because people have started to put two and two together that if I want that experience, I may have to keep this car forever. And, you know, that shot the value up. And so to me, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like going, you know, putting the, putting the pedal all the way down and listening to it cycle through and, and listening to it really 
be a natural experience. And, you know, we, it took a long time to get to this point to have such great experiences of a naturally aspirated car to see it now, maybe go away. That kind of sucks. Um, because we're just now in the phase of, wow, this is, <laughs> this is easy to drive. It's comfortable. It's, you know, you've kind of gotten to this point and now they may do away with them, but I think manufacturers, good ones are going to be smart enough to realize we're going to need some type of engine program, uh, at all times. Let's hope they do. But I mean, you take a company like Dodge and they may throw it all down the drain. Who knows? Uh, I, what I've always thought about that Lexus, I've looked at it and I've always gone, man, that grill just, it's so unique. It's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's cool. And then you clean one. Oh yeah. Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, no, no, it's look, it's really fun to drive. <laughs> um, that, that grill, you know, is, and Lexus kind of has admitted it, right. That it was a unique design. It was an aggressive design, but look, I mean, the conversation really is what I have this or what I have a Corvette, right. Um, and, and this hands down is better. Um, Corvette is great. It's this is better. I mean, it's the, this is a better experience. It's nicer. The seats are nicer. The electronics are nicer. The stitching is everything's nicer. And that's really the dichotomy of if you're, you know, I always say this, I can tell if somebody's a car person and I can tell if somebody's a brand person, if you drove these two and you picked Corvette, all good. That means you were a Corvette. You were going to buy that regardless. If you drive these back to back, it's, it's, no contest. I mean, it's not close. One thing that's not close and there's no contest is, well, if it's a, a driving speed race, who wins the average person in Houston or the average person in Las Vegas? Oh, dude. I, I never seen so many people go to speed limit. It baffles me. <laughs> I'm watching people in fast cars go 42 <laughs> miles an hour. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I never seen it before. And this and is what's funny. Cause like you and I were talking earlier and I was chatting with Cass, you know, what would you do if you came to his little small town? Like you would, you would lose your mind. Like yeah. these slow that it is right. Like I've joked about it. People don't get it. I love to go 60 miles an hour. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know what, I, I mean, I love to cruise. Like I love I, to just go to that right lane of the highway and just be the old man, just cruising. What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, Why can't you, you just cruise? The, huh? the thing that, ba yeah, the thing that baffles me and I'm with you, like, you know, look, uh, when I'm in my family car, I got my family in the car as well. It's not as fast as you can go. The thing that baffles me is looking at people in really fast vehicles. And I'm like, there's no way where for a cop to sit, you can enjoy yourself, open the car up. And it's like, it just doesn't happen. And so I was like a unicorn out here. I mean, here it is. I got a fast car. I want to enjoy it you enjoy a fast car by going fast. I mean, that, that, that would be my take on it. And like I said, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy of you and I've driven in so many different States and every state has its personality. Every city has its personality. You know, Vegas is wild. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different people from a lot of different countries, from a lot of different places that have a lot of ideas on how to drive this is the slowest. I mean, I guess Charlotte when I was there was a little slow, but it's like, dude, you, you got to hit the gas. You're, you're, when you're in a fast car, you got to go fast. I mean, I, 
I can't make it. Nobody's telling you to bob and weave out of traffic. People hear this and think maniac. It's not what I mean. I mean, you're on a straight road and there's nobody around and I'm watching people. I'm like, what am I watching here? Mm-hmm. No, it, it is. And then there's, there's a lot of differences that go on between. And this is what's funny. We talk about so much between you and I, Jean and Yang. I mean, that's one of them, right? I mean, the driving habits and the way you are there in Vegas, the way it is here in the Southwest, we are different. No doubt about it. So I'm curious, what are some of the other differences that you've seen, right? What's what have you seen there in Houston inside of the whole car market, car industry, car care, well, so everything? Like, don't know, what are some of the main differences? Yeah, I'm basically going to be here a week. I'm in a wealth, wealthy suburb called the Woodlands. I can't remember a time where I didn't see detailers. Mm. You, know, you and I talked about this. Um, you're probably looking at incomes of 250 household to to millions of dollars in this area there's no mobile guys i don't i don't see anybody and i really haven't seen anybody driving around uh not only the woodlands but i went down into houston you know i i visited with some great shops and and did some some training and some videoing and things like that and I think the thing that surprises me is you can't go into a wealthy area of Las Vegas and you're always going to see somebody detailing a car. Always. 110% of the time. Like seriously? Seriously. You wouldn't come to my neighborhood and never see a detailer. It just wouldn't happen. Seven days a week. Is it it the amount of, let's, let's go over some theories, right? Is it, People in Houston have money, so it's not money, right? But oh, is it maybe dude. the amount of people that have money, or is it the lifestyle? Is well, look, it the, the atmosphere? Is it the you know seasonal aspect of we have rain here? You know what what drives you think? What drives so many more detailers in Vegas than there is in Houston? What drives that? Yeah, I don't know if it's more. I just know that I can't believe what I see. Like it's just, it's just the dichotomy of it. It's, and I've told you this before, I've been told by certain people in certain cities and they're like, ah, well, mobile just won't work here. You've heard that, um, you know, especially colder weather cities, those guys are convinced that it won't work, but you know, I see families with three to five vehicles in this neighborhood. I mean, have every reason to be visited by a detailer, right? I mean, you and I come from the mobile world and there's going to be a lot of guys, what they have here is a lot of extravagant shops. They got a lot bigger shops than we can afford in Vegas because real estate's a little cheaper here. So you'll see somebody regularly with 10 to 15,000 square foot shops. That's pretty rare in Vegas because of the real estate cost. Uh, you know, you'd see it. It's pretty rare in LA. It's, you know what I mean? Like there, there, there's, there's some differences in that aspect, but I think just for me, and I told you this before, because I've heard this excuse before, you know, this wealthy area is far outside of Houston, meaning it's, it's, it's a ways from downtown Houston. What does that mean? 30 minutes, an hour, you know, with traffic, you're probably looking anywhere between 40 to an hour, you know, probably. So that's, I'm assuming the excuse, but I mean, Marty, if you came here, I, you would just dominate the market. You and I know what, you know, is not that there's, there's plenty of hardworking detailers here. I just wonder how much of it is just not understanding that there's all these people in need of a service and 
there's just nobody here. I mean, to not see one single person detailing a car in a neighborhood the whole time I've been here is the wildest thing I've ever experienced. So what's mostly around? I, I'm going to guess there's a bunch of gas station car washes. There's a bunch of tunnel washes. Well, that's the thing of- about here. I mean, it's hard to know because everything's like, it's called the wood. Everything's wooded. So you can't see, you can't even see a grocery store from the road. I mean, you got to go back in and to get there. Uh, but yeah, it's car wash scene. I mean, it's, it's completely a car wash scene. And, and the argument's always going to be, well, certain people are going to go to car washes. No doubt about it. But there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money that care about their time. And so that's been the surprising thing to me is, I mean, <laughs> you and I talked about this off the air, like what a gold mine this would be for somebody that really understood how to build a mobile business. I mean, it, it would just be gangbusters because a whole neighborhood could be gobbled up at a time. And we're talking about neighborhood after neighborhood after, I mean, there's a thousand neighborhoods. So it isn't like you, you, you have a limited set. This is a big, big area. It's a growing area and it's a, you know, one of the two or three wealthiest parts of Houston. I I'm just, it's just something that catches me off guard because we've done this so long and I live in a city that's dominated by it where, you know, you're going to see people doing it nonstop, you know, in the nicer neighborhoods, they don't do it on the weekends because they, they aren't allowed. But for, for the most part, five days a week, it would be packed in here. I mean, you'd have two, three, four vans just in this neighborhood alone. And, and it's just odd to see it different and and it's cool to see different, right? I mean, it gives you perspective. Yeah, but it is interesting. I wonder, I, I really still, I'm still struggling to wonder. I wonder what it is. I've always thought, and you know, it's a big reason why I here in Tulsa just took my business over the years different than a lot of other detailers in the area. I I think it's through the Midwest. I think it's because you get rain. People think, you know, Southwest, let's be specific here. So many people talk about, ah, oh, it's, it's going to rain tomorrow. You in Vegas, right? Like, you guys yeah. still have people that will clean their cars, even if it's going to rain. But here people just don't something about rain on their cars. I wonder if it's also part of the education of why then, you know, you need to still clean your cars after rain or, you know, why it doesn't matter that it's just rain. I don't know. It is yeah. curious. So, so we, we ran in this to in Vegas recently. I've been getting a lot of calls about water spotting. Uh-huh. We've gotten a lot of rain this summer. And I think one of the things that I would talk about in, in, in any sunny area that gets weather, you know, Tulsa in the summer or, or, you know, here in Houston or Florida or whatever is, you know, I, I think we haven't done a good job in detailing of explaining to people that when you get dirt and rain mixed together and then the sun comes out, a lot of times we don't talk about the mineral interaction of the rain, the dirt, the, you know, even go to the wintertime, the salt and the kind of damage you see happening because we've let the car continue to be dirty. I get it that we have this car wash mentality in the world where people are like, I only wash my car if it's going to be nice this week, right? That's the Midwest mentality. You know, I'm not going to wash my car this week. It's going to be nasty out. Well, part of the damage I thought we've always seen and have, and I've gone through a real education of new customers calling it with big water spotting issues in Vegas because they've let it bake in is Rain on a dirty car scares me more as a detailer than anything else. Rain on a clean car, I don't really have that much of a worry because there's not 
that much that can go wrong usually. It's when it rains on, let's just say during pollen season, you get a rain. Now pollen mixed with rain, mixed with the sun. I've always felt that was the recipe for disaster. So I think it's more of an, like you pointed to an educational process of if, if I lived in these areas, I would be very heavy on the dirt out here mixed with rain is going to create more problems than rain on a clean car. And if you care about your car, that would be my argument. That's my argument now to, to my people. So that's how we got people to do their car every day, no matter, you know, rain or shine. And we've had a really, you know, I mean, last week when I'm in, I mean, this last week I'm in Houston, weather's been perfect here. It's been raining in Vegas. So, I mean, we've had a year of rain. I mean, where whole weeks have been wiped out. And I know the the arguments, but I also think we haven't done a good job as detailers saying rain on a dirty car is very dangerous for spotting up your car. All right. You had some other perspectives or thoughts around some things that might have been a little different. I, I think the interesting, I know you just mentioned it, but we'll we'll go into something else that you 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 want to chat about, but Listen, the, the idea that there's so many more, and you're right, the amount of people, and I've said it, the amount of people that go from mobile detailer and they just, they want to go into a shop. It's like it, it is the next way to arrive in business. And throughout here too, you you do have, seem to have shops that a little bit, it's like you almost get settled into business and then you get a shop and then you're operational so for you to see down there in Texas and in Houston specifically that there's so many more established shops than there are mobile, that kind of leads to maybe that there's there's great opportunity down there, that there's plenty of people out there cleaning and going and they've got some established shops and there's plenty of car care. So that's awesome, man. What, what other things have you seen that are different from uh, <laughs> Vegas lifestyle and the Houston life? I think what I'm shocked by, I know you aren't, because uh, you and I have talked about this over the last couple of years privately, is is I see a lot of outdated chemical usage mm. uh, where things that I was using in 2005 are still in use uh, by very reputable people. You know, I mean, it's not it's not just some Joe Schmo and, and we, you know, full disclosure, I'm talking to these people. So it isn't, you know, this isn't like I'm saying something out of pocket here. I mean, I said it in the moment. I, I think how many people aren't plugged into the great changes that have taken place in chemicals and how to leverage them and leverage chemicals to be easier on your team and prep vehicles better for PPF or things like that. I, I've kind of found all of this very enlightening to me because we kind of feel it inside of hyperclean that, that sometimes there's an uphill battle to get people to realize you can really make your life easier using the right wheel cleaner, using the right tire and rubber cleaner and, you know, using a good spray on a sealant like slick. And it, it does feel like being a dead horse, but also to me means we haven't reached even 1% of the people we need to reach to kind of, bring people into a more modern operation because they're costing themselves time and, and, and getting a worse outcome. I told you about a car I saw that saw that was polished, that it just wouldn't pass muster if you were using the right pad and polish combination. Okay. You mentioned some things that maybe seemed outdated. What, 
you know, not brands or not that, but yeah, yeah. what is it like degreaser instead of TRX or, I mean, what, it, what's kind of the overall, well, it's, like, it's it, like this spray wax, you know, you, you still see, you know, very old school spray wax technology, not that okay. spray waxes are bad, but you know, the oily, uh, that type of thing. Is it still, did you, did you see any of that old shakeup wax? Remember that where, where it would separate? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm oh, talking, I mean, using, by the way, that that still is being used a lot of places. I mean, we might have some guys here that, that still get that oil that gathers at the top and has the yellow at the bottom. That's still a product that's very, very widely used, but to see it in person and to kind of have a discussion <laughs> about it, I think is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Because, what'd you do? Well, what'd you do when you see it? You go, what the, f like, well, I, yeah, but I also go, okay, what is this in ref? Well, you know, we sell it in this protection package. I'm like, man, we, we have a product coming out in October that literally will take you minutes to apply. That'll be 8,000 times better than this. And that's not even an exaggeration. And it's great to get perspective. You know, it's not a judgment thing on my part. I don't want it to ever come across like that. I just, we're very fortunate that there are some of us that are really, really dedicated to becoming more educated. And I think there are some that are just like, Hey, this is our process. We're going to rock and roll. And I get that mindset, right? If it's working, don't fix it. Right. If it's not broken, don't fix it type of my mentality. But also, you know, you look at the time spent buffing off one of those products compared to using yeah. slick, Dude, the results. Uh -huh. And, and I, 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 again, think it's really awesome that everybody kind of has their way in their area. And there's, you know, all these different companies that do well. Like I, I, I kind of like that part of it. I just think that knowing what I know about business now you could come into a marketplace and really make a dent financially in a lot of people's lives if you did things in a modern way. And, and that would be the thing that I would take away and go, there's some real opportunity. Um, there's a lot of guys making a lot of money down here and I visited them and spent time with them, spent a day with them and can't thank them enough for, for giving me advice on my shop and taking and learning because that's also part of it. But the other part of it is like, there's these pockets around the United States that you just almost salivate about because you go, man, should I put a truck on the road? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what you think to yourself if you're a competitive business person. Uh, and, but and it's because, right, because you could kind of in a sense go, all right, you're using spray wax. The amount of time it's going to take you to use that. I can shave off 30 minutes there. Okay, you're using this. You're going to have to do it. Okay, I could shave some, right? Like you yep. literally start to go through and go, okay, I could shave this because you're using the wrong product. You're using an old product. You're using an old product. And the reason to have, and this is why I think it's, it's an interesting conversation, is because you're right. We've said it. It's the way you do business. If something's working, you just keep doing it. But there's also that theory of, yes, but there's new things that come out that how do I, and when do I start to take the time to go, okay, what do I need to use that maybe is new that might save me time? And here's the crazy one with that, that shakeup wax, that shakeup wax. What I see a lot of people here that they used to do with it 
Wipe it on with an applicator. Buff it off with a high-speed rotary. Oh, wow. So now your paint's not only not protected that well, it's swirled. Oh, no, they'll tell you that they used a foam pad and it's all good, man. They didn't swirl it. Actually, we actually polished it. And Wow, that's mind-boggling. No, and, and by the way, we come from a time where I'll believe anything. I mean, I saw some crazy stuff. I mean, you and I remember the old glazes. That was, uh, you know, I mean, we don't even have to get started. And we we have people telling us glazes are back. So, I mean, you, you just, you never really know, right? And, and I think it's an interesting part of it where you just go, you only know what you know in your area, right? This is the way everybody's doing business. And this is kind of the copycat part of detailing is where you go, everybody's playing the same game and everybody's not seeing that there's a whole different game to play. And, and that's what I think we all get into, right? Vegas has that, you know, Tulsa has it, Columbus, Ohio has it, Atlanta, Georgia has it, right? You only compete against what you're competing against, but that's why it's so, we tell guys to think for themselves, right? And and go into your market and say, okay, here's what I see. And, and that's what I would say here is, is that I don't see nearly enough mobile guys in the rich area that I'm, that I'm, you know, capable of staying in here. I'm baffled by the fact that there's nobody here. Um, baffled also the education, like you talked about education level. What, what do you think that, and this is just hypothesizing, theorizing in a sense why somebody would still want to stay with something for that long and not go into the newer technology of stuff. Is it because when they see or are given the product and what they're continually given and fed versus then, Oh, well that thing you see on the internet. Now that's just for show. Oh, that's just these companies that build these big companies. Now they're in Walmart. Now it's all just show, you know, there's, there's this, there's this inside battle, I think, going on in the industry, which you seeing it there proves it to be true. Some people are still sticking to old ways because they're not seeing the new opportunities because yeah. they're just been told by the people that continue to give them the product. Well, that's just all show and it's not real. You can't actually spray something on a car and do that and actually put protectant down. No, you've got to hand rub it in. No, you got to do it this way. Yeah. So I think you're, you're right. And this is what we tell so many of our distributors that come on board, why we're so passionate about guys having a purpose in chemicals, right? Because I don't think the average detailer in their area understands how little education everyone in his area has about chemicals. We talk to a lot of great chemical distributors and we're the ones educating them. We know guys with seven figure chemical distribution that don't know anything about ceramic coating. They think it's like witchcraft. That's not me banging on them. I mean, Marty, you and I have had these conversations. And you don't even underemphasize witchcraft. Oh, yeah. I'm they, making they I'm making the comparison about that spray wax. Yeah. And then another distributor, another company in the, the southwest through the Midwest area, ceramic coatings to them, literally hocus pocus witchcraft which is then what they've been teaching all their other people that come in and buy their shake up spray wax and there becomes the dilemma look we we have we will tell you about you know a situation we've had in texas where it's just like somebody's convinced nobody puts ceramic coating on cars remember you remember that conversation 
It's like, that can't be further from the truth because I can give you three names down there doing it. You never talked to these three people? Well, yeah, we've talked to them. They don't do ceramic. I'm like, dude, they buy ceramic from us. You're not, you're not living it, but this is the, the, we're in a weird spot where a lot of detailers probably don't know about the truck guy, the, the box truck guy, the van guy, the, the, the guy going around and selling to shops. It's a very lucrative business. We keep telling people to get into this part of the business as a detailer to become a distributor of HyperClean, and you'll be amazed at the amount of money you make. And it really isn't because of anything other than what we're saying here, which is you get into these pockets and they're dominated by people who have maybe been selling chemicals for 15 years and they're selling chemicals that they were using 15 years ago. And look, we all know degreaser is a good product. It works. It's effective. Great. Has car soap come a long way in 15 years? I'd say it has. I mean, you look at our lineup of, of foam wash, cleanse, and ceramic snow. The odds you're going to get three products like that on anybody's truck throughout the Midwest and Southwest and anywhere is pretty slim because they're using a soap that was formulated 10, 15 years ago. That's the, just the marketplace, right? That's what they, that's what they're doing. And, and so I think it's kind of an interesting thing that, you know, we all believe guys are on YouTube and learning. I think that's a smaller number than everybody realizes, because if everybody was on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok soaking up all this new information, there's no way you'd see a shop or 10 shops or 15 shops with the kind of products that, that, that we see when we go into shops. And you, Marty, you visited a lot of shops. You see shops that are on the very high end doing things in a very modern way. And then you go to the shop that's doing well and you go, what the hell is that I'm seeing on their shelf? And it's not right or wrong. It's just an observation. All right. Anything else that's really caught your attention being down there in Houston? Um, I told you one other thing, but it slipped on my mind right now. Oh, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> um, it's really nice here, man. I mean, I, I think that's the other thing that when you get into these major cities, you start to realize that you have these pockets where so many things are built in like a master plan community way. And you can really get in a bubble and, and have a great life. And, it, you know, a city's a city's a city, right? Once you get into major cities, they all kind of feel the same once you get into the spots you want to be. And, and like I said, it, I am very amazed by the incredible amount of, of detailing PPF tent business that's going on. I am also surprised at some of the things I saw, right? There's so much money being made in some of these shops and that's awesome, man. That's I, I'm, I cheer that on more than anything, but then you look at the other parts of it as a business owner, you go, man, I do this different. I, that's just the part of it. Right. And, and that's the cool part of learning. And this is why I advocate trips like this with industry people that you really respect that you can learn from rather than always talking about traditional training, because I've come here and I've learned a lot from a lot of really freaking smart people. And I'll talk more on our Saturday episode about some things that I've learned that are just definitive the way these guys think, but the other part of it is you go, Hey, I could do this different. Hey, he's doing it this way. I should do it this way. This is more valuable to me than training. 
these type of relationships are, are again, we keep coming back to that word in a variety of ways, the thing we don't promote the most and we should probably. Well, well, speaking of Saturday's episode, do you like big bucks? Was that a thing? I know, dude. <laughs> I got so many comments that Marty stinks on the microphone, so I'm going to be there. No, I'm just kidding. We got good <laughs> feedback, and Marty stepped in. Uh, I had a delivery of a microphone mishap uh, because I'm an idiot and forgot my microphone in Vegas. But great episode, man. It's it's. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. The, the, the Friday episode that everybody had to be shocked by. I know I was when I saw you went on for 54 minutes. I mean, you had to be a little shocked when you saw the time on that. I mean, come on, at least give me, I can't even do 25 minutes before I feel like, wow, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> like I said, man, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's I, all. I hadn't great. had a one, a one mic, uh, in a long time. So a lot and to it get shows. out. You said, look, let me just go buck wild. Like the kid that went to college and just had that first party and just went, <laughs> uh, no, it was fun great. time, man. Glad to hear the tacos down there. Aren't as good as in Oklahoma. We still believe that we, we rule that market. Yeah, I'm joking, but hey, uh, Southern hospitality. That's one thing we didn't talk about. That's what it was. Yeah. It was the, it was the, the, the way that we make our food in the Southwest versus West coast. Who thinks they have the better burritos and the better tacos. You're like, Nope. Southwest definitely owns the better tacos. I, no, I, appreciate I definitely that. didn't say that, but I did have good Mexican food here. And, uh, one, one of the things, the, Big cities are undefeated. The the Southern hospitality does not make it to big cities. <laughs> like, uh, you hear about the South all the time. Oh, they're so nice. Yeah, not not really that friendly here. Well, but that part of Texas way, is but... is controlled by people that came from California. So yeah, I mean, oh, got expect? it, got it. Yeah, no, it's but I, I I've actually enjoyed it. I'll be heading home tomorrow. Like I said, we're going to go to the Astros game tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. Get to see some of my buddies on the Phillies and. I, like I said, man, I can't thank everybody. I'll talk more on, on the Saturday's episode uh, that we record on Friday. Learned a lot, you know, and, and this is kind of the thing we got to promote more in detailing is these off the radar, you know, two guys, two people sharing what's going on in their business, right? Like that, Marty, I know you know this more than anybody. When you visit a shop and you see how they do things, it opens your mind to, hey, man, I could do this a little different, man. This is really smart. It's really cool that they use this. Yeah, I need to think about that. And 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 that's something I'm gonna talk more on on Friday about. Like it's it that's been the best part of the trip is learning from all these people. Cool, man. Well, we look forward to hearing it. Enjoy your day and uh we'll see you next week, man. All right, brother. See you. Hey, this is Marshall. And curious, when you hear Nick talk and he's over there and he's getting ideas and stuff, do you do you think about that for your area? This is to the, the listeners that are in business, right? So we got plenty of people that just like to clean cars, and I get it. So this is for the people that are in business. Do you hear that and start to think? Does it process through your mind of things that maybe you could do in your area to go help more people, to help give more services to, of more relationships that you could develop? Imagine how much bigger your business would be, influence services will be for your area now that you're going to go out and create these new streams for everybody that's just loves cleaning cars you hear that and you hear about oh that's the way other people are in other areas how can you begin to 
well, at your car show, at your car club, educate more people on better ways to maintain their car, newer products that might be beneficial to them. So they, they're not using the old technology. How can you be a catalyst for somebody having a better car life? Well, a lot of great opportunity in your area. So this is Marshall and I hope you make it a great day.